All right. I, I think we all want to be that young again, and they have a great class going on for them tomorrow, uh, this morning. Uh, and today, I just want to thank all those that are new to this church assembly. I want to thank and say hi to everybody that's online watching. Um, I think, you know, we have been uh, going through a uh, series called Hold Fast, Have Everything in Common. And we have been going through uh, this series just to teach you about Acts, the book of Acts, the band of believers who stood up so bravely and fearlessly, fearlessly to proclaim the gospel. The same message that we are supposed to be proclaiming today through our words, through our actions, through our lives. And so we've been challenged in the last several weeks. So when we see the recap, one of the things that, that I wanted to bring is just the next, if you want to go to the next slide, please, Megan. Um, the scripture says this, just tap the space bar, thank you. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, but believes in what? So that's what we've been going through. We've been going through the what, what's the message? We went through what was the power behind that message? We've gone through quite a bit in the last three weeks. And today I'm going to actually go somewhere else with the book of Acts. We're going to touch Acts 2, 3, 4, and 5. No, I will not be reading all of those chapters to you because we'll be here until four o'clock today. And so hopefully you don't have a whole lot to do this afternoon. No, I'm just joking. But I am going to bring you through this, and I'm going to walk you through the exciting time of what happened to the believers of the first century church. But before we start, let's just get ourselves ready and prepare ourselves for just the receiving of that message. Amen? So let's just bow our heads and pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We praise you. We honor you and glorify you. God, truly you are Adonai, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that you are truly the only only true God. God, we thank you this day, God, because you came and you visit us through worship. We experienced your presence. God, we know, Lord, we're about to open the word. And God, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and just reveal yourself to us as only you can. God, we know that we are needy people. I'm a needy person to you. I'm your child today, calling out for grace, calling out for the anointing, calling out for power from on high. And I ask for the same thing for all those that are here and those that are listening online. God, let it be that this message sets us on a different course today. Let it be that we finally find the answer and, and uh, of all the questions we've had in regards to the gospel, in regards to believing who God was and what Jesus did. Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and just make this real to us. We come and we know, Lord, we are thankful. We are appreciative. We are grateful that we have life and breath and we can hear and we can see. Oh, God, you've been good to us. And we want to thank you this day. And we ask you to just open our hearts to your word today. Amen. 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 I always say it, I hope you come ready because I really truly believe that God wants to share something with us and he wants to make it very clear. The gospel is not complicated. I think we've made it complicated. So we want to make sure that the very message, the power of that gospel that is unto salvation for us gets uh, real in our own heart. And we understand that what we saw and, 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 and seen with the disciples of, of, of the first century is that they never wavered 
on this gospel. They had a mission to tell others about Jesus, about what the gospel message was. It was about forgiveness of sin. It was about hope. It was about the answer that we have, you know, because we're all plagued with the sense of emptiness and fulfillment. And we go to many other things to try to fill that. We're, this, this area is broken and we can't fix it. And God knew it. And he knew that we needed to be restored to him. So he sent his son and his son died a horrible death and at the cross so that he could bring forgiveness and restore us back to the father. He also not only did that, he broke the power and dominion of sin. So that means that we don't have to be enslaved for the rest of our life. Oh, the gospel message is truly good news. And not only that, he didn't stay dead, beloved. He conquered death, rose again, sat at the right hand of the father. And today, those that believe on that power of the gospel, we can walk with an authority, with a sense of hope and assurance that we do not have to stay the way we are. We don't have to believe the enemy when he says, you're going to be bound by these things for the rest of your life. You will just have to maintain and survive. No, we were called out for those who believe on this gospel. We were called out to live a victorious life more than overcomers. We are overcoming people. That means it doesn't mean that we never suffer. It doesn't mean that we never go through trials. But what it means if we know the power of that gospel is that we don't put our eyes or fix our eyes on what we're going through. We fix our eyes on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because He and He alone can bring us through what we're going through. But we kind of forget this. We forget that we have to respond to this gospel. We saw not too long ago, a few weeks ago, we saw that, you know, why were these believers so fearless and proclaiming and why they weren't wavering? Well, they believed the message. They didn't, they didn't distort the message. They didn't mix it. They believed the pure gospel that it came to provide what God knew that no one on this earth could do. The son did for him. Because God so loved the world that he sent his son so that you and I would not perish, but have eternal life, but not just that, have life. We're just existing, beloved. And for us who say that we are Christ followers, we should never just exist. We should be much more than that. So the gospel, the quote that we saw a few weeks ago, it said, the gospel is the relational connection between you and Jesus. It's all that message that gives us the ability to move beyond our circumstances. It is the glue that bound you together and the glue that continues to bind you together until we meet up again with Jesus. Your pursuit of Christ begins with the gospel and it continues with the gospel. The whole message is why we, ha- we live and have our being. It is because of that. The power of the message has lost its meaning. This is what we were talking about in the last several weeks. And it affected the way that we who are called by his name, how we walk according to this world. It affected how we do church, how we do kingdom, how we actually proclaim this message. Because if we think the message is watered down or mixed or diluted or polluted, if we don't believe in the power of that message, then will we be speaking of it? No. 
We won't. And so the challenge in the last three weeks, if you had not figured it out, is that we were bringing you back to the basic. We were bringing you back to, if these first century believers were on fire aflame for the kingdom and they spoke and never stopped right up to prison's door, right up to death, what was it that, they, that motivated them? We came to the conclusion, the message of the gospel. And what was it that gave them the ability to do it? The power of the gospel, which is the Holy Spirit. So our purpose, as we saw in the last few weeks, was to go and be witnesses. But we've gone far away from that purpose, have we not? Because if it was just that, to go and be witnesses, then we would be actually very certain that we would have everything in common, that we would try with everything and strive to walk together with one mind and one heart because it was never really about us anyway. But the moment we make it about us, the moment we become offended and we hold bitterness and resentment, the moment we make it about, well, the church wasn't there for me and so on and so forth, we've actually gone away from the power of the message of us being a witness to something that's so much greater than what we are living. We understand that life just goes on, doesn't it? And no longer do we see today a people who walk in power. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the best news anyone will ever hear. And yet we walk around like we have just missed our best friend. What a person does to this news, when we hear the truth of the gospel, what we do with this news will determine where we spend eternity. So it's very, very important that we really listen to what was the message. What did Jesus do? But not only that, It will also determine how we will impact the world for Christ. So if my view of the gospel and the power of the gospel is distorted, it will affect how I influence others. Do you agree with that? Doesn't take a rocket science. It will affect the way we walk and do life. So not everybody responds to truth the same way. And this is what I want to talk about. I'm going to ask you, Erica, if you can get me my water that's there. I want to talk to you today about two sets of people. Well, there are many, but I just want to focus on two sets of people today. One set held nothing back from God. We see it as we heard the stories in the last three weeks. They held, the disciples held nothing back from God. This set of people, God used them to change the world and ours too. Because they decided to be witnesses, because they decided to understand the power of that gospel, They continued proclaiming, and because of them, today, I'm here. You're here. For every one of us who had a chance to believe, to hear the message, and to believe that message, which totally changed our life, it was because the first century believers had to make a decision how they were going to respond to the news of Jesus dying uh, dying on the cross, rising again, and being lifted up to the Father. The other set, so that set, the first set, they, they gave nothing, they, they, they held nothing back from God. The second set, not so much. And because they did not, they held back from God, their lives came to a quick end. I'm going to explain that a little bit because, yeah, I'll explain it in a few minutes. You'll have to hold on. 
Before we look into the lives and the circumstances of these two sets of people, let's get a little bit of background. That's why I said we're going to touch a little bit of Acts 2, 3, 4, and 5 today. And because of time, I can't read you those scriptures. So I'm going to give you background, give you scriptures, and I'm going to tell you a story of these band of believers who were actually, who demonstrate to us many things that we can learn from that. As we start at Acts 2, it starts off that it was a short time since Jesus had ascended to, into heaven. And all of a sudden, we see the promised Holy Spirit had come down. And Peter stood. Now, this is the same Peter who denied Christ, who actually fumbled the ball many times before Jesus died. This same Peter stood up in the day of Pentecost, and he preached the gospel. And over 3,000 3, men had been saved that day and baptized. The, it, there was power that fell through, that, that moved through this man. Acts gives us a time in history which, uh, which gives us the beginning of what we call today the church age. People began to tell others about Jesus Christ. It began with those apostles who had followed, uh, who had seen the life of Jesus, the death and his resurrection. It began with them. And then it was the followers who actually believed the gospel through a witness of another one, of another. And they were brought to salvation and changed, and, and changed their lives due to the work of the Holy Spirit in them and because of the witness of someone else. As we read the book of Acts, we realize that this church isn't a building with a sign in front like we see in our church here today. There were just, there was no building programs. There was no choir rehearsal. It was simply people coming together under tremendous persecution, by the way, caring for one another, sharing and growing in their faith. They were single focused. They were intentional in how they did their life. And we see this with Acts 2, 44 and 45, where it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. Their attitude was not, this is mine, my time, my possession. It didn't belong to them. They knew. So they didn't say, this is mine, it belongs to me. Their attitude was this. I will not hold onto anything that will keep someone from coming to Christ. You see the focus? I won't hold to anything that God cannot, can use to get someone else to come to Jesus. So they looked at the things they owned and knew that they could use, could be used to help further the kingdom and bring someone to Jesus. They held nothing back. Nothing. And so we see this in a nutshell. They simply lived out their life with one purpose. They held nothing back so that others would believe the gospel as they did. As they received the gospel, they wanted others to believe this too. The very gospel that had changed their lives and also their destiny, their eternity. It changed their lives. See, not everybody responds to the, same, to the truth of the gospel the same way. So this morning, I want us to look at two different sets of people. One set of people who held nothing back. And because of this, as I said, you and I know the gospel today. And then you had the other set of people for whatever reason, 
And I'm, I can give you a whole slew of them, and I will a little bit as we go on. They held something back from God, and it cost them their very life and their very influence in their life. So let's look at the first set of people, those that held nothing back. Peter or John is our example of that today. In order for that to happen, I need to give you a little bit of background in Acts 3. Now, if you're familiar with Acts 3, the story goes like this. Peter healed a lame beggar. This man was carried every day to the temple called Beautiful. And he was put there every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And he was actually lame since he was born, okay? So he had been like this forever. And people knew and recognized. So here we are, this scenario is happening. And as he saw Peter and John enter, he asked them for money. And Peter and John looked straight to him to get his attention. And this is what they said. They said to them, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Immediately, the story tells us he gets up. He starts jumping and praising God. Are you seeing this? This man was lame all his life, begging for money so that he can eat and survive. And he asks the same thing to Peter and John, who understood the power of the gospel and the name that that gospel carried. And what happened is that he asked and he said, we can't give you silver or gold, but I can give you what I already have. I can give you healing in the name of Jesus. It was amazing when you see it. It was, it, was, it was amazing because they all ran after Peter and John at that particular moment. And Peter was quick to recognize what they were running to. They were running to people. They were saying, whoa, if we follow these two men, maybe we'll get healed too. But right away, they were quick at making that distinction to the people who were looking at them. They said to, to, to the people, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that was, has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. We see this miraculous healing through the message of the gospel, through the things that they had seen, things that they believed, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we are the same people today. We are the same people today. Now in chapter 4, in verse 1 to 20, again, I can't read that. Peter and John had just been presenting the gospel in the open area after of the healing of this blind man, and, and of this lame man. And they were about to be arrested. The, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees were greatly distressed and disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people about Jesus and proclaiming about what he did, about the cross, the resurrection, and that he rose again. They, they were responding to the message, but they didn't like the message. The Saturdays were greatly disturbed. And so what happened at this particular moment while they were preaching, they sent someone to seize 
uh, Peter and John and put them in jail. And despite all of it, you see it in Acts 4.4, many came, 5,000 people came because of these men's wit- this witness of John and Peter. And not because they were extraordinary. They were extraordinary because they just let the Holy Spirit move. They believed on the message. And because they believed, they spoke through faith and miracles happened. The next day, the high priest and the rulers met in Jerusalem to find out what were they going to do about Peter and John. They had Peter and John brought up before them and began to question them. And they asked them, by what power or what name did you do this? And then that's when we see truly what these men were standing for. And in Acts 4, 8 to 10, it says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and by whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. They move on and and because they hold nothing back. Listen, they were just in prison. They weren't fearful of being imprisoned again. They hold nothing back. And the story says this, that they started commanding Peter and John not to teach and not to preach in the name of Jesus. And they replied like this. I love it. See them what they're focused on. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. Then he goes on, he says, when you see when, you, when, you, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary, let me say that again, unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Wouldn't you just want someone to tell you, wow, have you been with Jesus today? Because your powerful witness demonstrate one who even though in the midst of a trial, there's a grace about you. Even though things are just going south, there's a peace and the rest about you. They know that it can't be them, but it had to be what they believed in that caused them to be these types of people. He says in Acts 20, he says, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Even in the face of death, beloved, they would not hide their devotion from from the God that saved them and gave them eternal life. Peter and John gave us an example of the first set of people who lived their life holding nothing back from God. And really, truly, it was because, beloved, they believed it. They believed it, and because of it, the Holy Spirit could move through them very easily. Now we look at the other set of people, and this turns, we turn to uh, the, book of, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 5. In chapter 5, we see two people who had the chance to hold nothing back as well, but unfortunately, they did not. Their names were Ananias and Sapphira, husband and wife. For you guys that know this story, I need you to hold on because sometimes we just like click away because we've heard the story before, but don't hear the story from the beginning to the end. They were part of uh, the early believers and considered disciples. 
So they weren't strangers, they were considered disciples. Now you need to remember that there were the word disciple, and when we hear it, we think of the 12, but we have to remember in Luke, he sent 70 disciples out. A disciple is just a follower of Christ. So Ananias and Sapphira were followers of Christ in the early church. And so we need to see that because sometimes we think that they might have not seen the signs and wonders or they might not have seen how many other, uh, everybody else that was doing the same thing. They had everything in common, the same heart, same mind. They sold all of their possessions for the sake of the gospel. They had seen this. They were witness to everyone else doing the same thing. And they were part of these band of believers. They saw firsthand people giving up all of their possession to the furthering for the kingdom. Ananias was compelled, I believe, probably at the beginning to do the same thing. He wanted to give so the gospel would go forward. You know, there's so many times, I mean, we have people having a hard time just coming to church. Church is about us wanting to be all that we should be, to be encouraged and exhorted. We have people who have a hard time just doing something extra than just, you know, doing what they're doing on Sunday. But really, these people didn't demonstrate that type of, of response to the truth. They demonstrated, not Ananias and Sapphira, but the first two, John and Peter and many others, demonstrated that they would hold nothing back because Jesus held nothing back. And here we have two who actually been around the same type of people and they too wanted to bring the gospel forward. And, but unfortunately, they didn't. Ananias held something back and not only did he hold it back, he lied about it. And as the story gets told, we know he didn't lie to man, he lied to God. You heard the story of this and he sold the pieces of his property and kept some of the money for himself. And, but he presented it like he had given it, it all to God. Even his wife knew of this. She said nothing. The scripture says that when Peter confronted him about his lie to God, he breathed his last breath and he died. The same was true of his wife. So you see Ananias and Sapphira kept something back from God. They didn't give him their best. They stopped responding to the message. Now, I don't know when that started for them. It must have been pretty powerful being around these people who could speak so boldly and fearlessly about the gospel, who people were not even blinking an eye to sell everything so that they could further the kingdom and touch more for for this message. And yet here they are, they had an opportunity to give their all, but they didn't. See, the message had not changed, but their response to it, it did. So this leads me to the question, and we're almost finished today. Are you holding anything back from God? Are you giving your absolute best? Again, this is not legalistic. If you know what was given to you through the power of this gospel, then actually this grateful spirit comes up, this attitude going, oh my goodness, God, if you had not come into my life, I don't know where I'd be. I said it before, if Jesus had not come to my life when I was 25, I could guarantee you I probably would have been a full-pledged alcoholic and a drug addict today. Those were the family of origin. Those are the models that I had seen. And if God had not come to take me out of the road of perishing, I would have followed through. But the day that I heard the message of the gospel and what Jesus had done for me, I responded 
responded to that truth and kept on responding to that truth. The more I grew in the knowledge, the more I understood that I needed to hold nothing back. Not because I lose, but because I gain Peter and John, the many others, they understood that they were not afraid to give everything back because they know the gift of heaven that was given to them and what they would receive as they walk this out. So are you giving him the best part of your day? Are you giving him your time, your heart, your mind, your resources? Today, like I said, I have to pull teeth to get people to volunteer. Oh, beloved, we've gone so far away from the first century church. Where have we gone? What has attracted our attention or affections elsewhere? Why did the message lose its power? You need to ask this question. Or are you saying to him today, I will give you this, but I'm not willing to give you anything else. Or I'm still going to manage this on my own. If you are doing that, God may not strike you down like Ananias and Sapphira. But when you start holding back, our response to the gospel diminishes. That means every time you come to church and you hear this word preached to you, your ability to respond to it, remember it's truth that sets you free. I can't set free anybody. But is the truth proclaimed with the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit can break your chains today. You could leave here different. But why have we come to this place where that message is actually same old, same old. Remember the first part? But I truly believe that when we respond differently, the outcome of our lives change. That means we lose our influence. We lose our ability to speak words of knowledge to people who are perishing. We lose our abilities to give people hope because we don't even live in hope. We lose our abilities to say, hey, lift up your head, sister. There is a day coming when the Lord is coming back for his church. And we are only here. We're pilgrims. We are on a journey. I'm not living for the here and now. I'm living for eternity. Yes, today sucks. But I will rise beyond. I don't think you can say the suckiness of this day. <laughs> I'm quite sure it's not a word, but it sounds good today. But we can live beyond that, beloved. We need to come back to respond to this, this, this word, the gospel message. One day, we will all stand before him. And on that day, wouldn't it be great that you and I, we would have listened to a message like this and stirred us to be wanting to move from a dead gospel to a one that is alive and vibrant, to a message that changes not only your behavior and your attitude, but wherever you go, you bring change. Oh, beloved, wouldn't you like to hear God say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over the little things. I have little things and I see them always little. You know why? Because I want to get ready for the bigger things. And every day is an opportunity to say, God, let me be faithful to this. Let me show your people that you truly are alive and well, that you do not dismiss your people because we get it wrong or we make mistakes but you love us enough to pursue us and to show us what needs to be done in order to get out 
out of that darkness. But we are so stubborn, beloved, because we hold back from God thinking that we can do a better job. Well, how is that going? It loses its ability to do what the gospel was supposed to do. Change and transform lives. Not everybody responds the same way to the truth of the gospel. Some hold back. Many reasons. There's many reasons. Fear, distrust, issues of the heart, issues from the past, unbelief, self-centered living. And the result is that you will have to actually water down that message in order for that message to accommodate your life. And this is where we ran into a problem in today's church. For us who hold things back, we lose our ability to influence others for Christ. Trust me when I tell you, I had to come to this crossroads when I started actually experiencing difficulties in my home difficulties in our marriage and in my children. I started realizing that either I believe what God was saying or I don't. And let me tell you, I did not want to settle that I don't. And so I sought him and he says, Mona, if you look for me with all of your heart, you will find me. But so many times, beloved, when I tell you to go back to the word, wait in silence, keep on seeking him. When I asked you, how's it going a week later, two weeks later? Well, you know, I just have been so busy and distracted. Beloved, do you not know there's an enemy there? Do you not know that the enemy will keep you so busy? Busy doing things that you think is better. When you know in the end, you will stop influence the very people you love. I want to leave a legacy. My legacy is not a woman who's done everything and yada yada, who's traveled. I want to leave a legacy that I'm a woman of faith, a woman who changed her world and her, in her little world, her life, her children, her father, her husband, her grandchildren for the kingdom of God. If I can't move my family forward for the kingdom, then I have not walked. I've not responded to that gospel well. And there were times in my life where I weeped before God. God, I'm so self-centered. And when I'm self-centered and self-living, I fail to see that I don't give out life. Life is too short. God has given us all that we want, all that we need. And so I don't want my experience. I don't want to be part of an Ananias and Sapphira. I want to fall into that set of people like Peter and John. That everywhere I go, I leave a ripple for the kingdom. It could be just little tiny things. Making people feel that they're loved. Oh, baby steps. Letting people know that they're not alone. Baby steps. See, when we hold things back, our vision of God changes as well. And the result is not what we saw in Peter and John, but is what we see with Ananias and Sapphira. When we surrender to the gospel of Jesus, we become living epistles for him. We hold nothing back for the sake of others. So when I want to stay home (laughs) on Fridays, I went, no. For the sake of whoever's going to be there for the life groups, I'm going. I had to do this over and over again because my self-life was powerful. So that 
when we experience the beauty of the truth of the gospel for ourselves, the hope, the forgiveness, the joy, the peace, the healing, the power, living our lives for others so that others can see God, so we can see others go to, to, uh, we see others go to God because of our lives. This is actually our purpose and our mission to witness to others. To have the same attitude of Peter and, and John, we need to make sure that we don't hold into, uh, onto things so tightly that they are worth more than our dependence on God. Corey Ten Boone says this, never be afraid to trust the, uh, an unknown future to a known God. When we know the gospel, God makes himself real to us. When we say yes to Jesus by faith, God opens up our understanding and he lets you know him and different things in your life. Mark 8.35 says this, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. The commentary says this, He who cannot bring himself to surrender the one for the sake of the other shall eventually lose them both. I've seen many who refuse to go and they hold back thinking. And for whatever reason, lies, falsehood, fear, unbelief, distrust. But beloved, you have to come to a place where you have to deal with this, with truth. Jesus is saying to us today, don't stop responding to this message of hope. Stay true to the end, right up to the end for, in your purpose. Take your eyes off yourself and your circumstance and respond to the truth of the gospel one more time. Your life will change. Your perspective will change. Your ability to do things will change. The empowerment will come because that's what the Bible says. Peter, uh, the, last, the last two verses I want to bring you today are Luke 14 and, and uh, 34, 35, where it says this, because we're told that we are salt of the world. That's what witnesses do, is that we do differently than everybody else. Because we were called out, set apart for something so much greater than ourselves, and just coming to church. I love that you guys all came, but it's so much bigger than that. Luke 14 says this, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Corey Tamboon said this, the measure of a life, after all, is not its duration, but its donation. See, when we don't hold back from God, what we discover is that God doesn't hold back neither. An open heaven opens up. I know this to be true. Because at those crossroads and crossroads in my life where I had to make a decision, my circumstances are real or God is real. And every time I chose him and I continued seeking him in his word, something became real to me. Things started happening. So it's about a choice, beloved. God gave you a self-will to respond to the truth. How have you responded to the gospel message? Do you resemble the Peter and the Johns or maybe even close a little bit like the Peter and the John? Holding nothing back in order to see others come to, to Jesus? 
Holding nothing back, not your schedule, not, not your time, not your money. You just hold nothing back. You go, oh God, I'm not gonna put my family before you. I'm not gonna, because if I do that, I'll lose my family. Oh no, no, no. I'm gonna put you first. I'll hold nothing back. S- staying true to the Great Commission to the very end. Or we are gonna be like Ananias and Sapphira, holding back our best for fear that we think that God won't provide. When he has showed us that he can and he will, he wants to bless our life and he wants to take care of all of our needs. Only giving part of ourselves to God for fear that maybe God might abandon you and reject you. Maybe God will turn his back against you. When in the word of God, there is no such thing. He cannot break covenant with us because he didn't do it with us. He did it with his son. And because of that, we are guaranteed and assured, no matter how foolish we are, God will never stop coming after us. His love is all-consuming. Are we consumed by our problems today? Our fears? Have we forgotten we are set apart for something so much bigger than just coming to church and just reading or trying to do devotions or paying our tithes? Those are all great things. But really, truly, I think we've come far and wide. And God is calling us back to the simple message of the gospel, but to believe it one more time. If you have belief issues, if you have trust issues, you have fear issues, all of those three things, what did they focus on? You. What if, what if you decided to focus on him. And every day you choose that over the fear, the mistrust, the unbelief, and the falsehood. Every day. I know it happened to me and it happened to many others. Things started changing and shifting. I want to finish off with this verse. This is the end of the message. Truly, it is the end. It says here, only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of, again, the word, gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are what? Standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. When we stand in division, when we start speaking of things in the church in ways that we should not, when we walk away from the very church that God has given you so that you can grow in your journey, beloved, you're not walking in the same spirit and the same mind. You've walked away from the very witness that you're supposed to be. It was never to be about us. It was supposed to be about him and what he has done through you You are to witness that to everybody else. You are to be a sweet fragrance to others. But you and I know we have bad days. You and I know we've chosen ourselves over God. But you see, that's the beauty of the gospel. There is provision for you today. There's provision for confession, provision for faith, uh, for, for forgiveness, that he's just and he loves you right where you are. But you have to actually realize if you've responded to the truth, like Peter and John, or Ananias or Sapphira. And you alone can judge that. You alone can judge that. Look at the outcome of your life. Are you bringing people closer to God or even coming to God? Trust me, over a period of time, 
Can I finish with a story? Just a small little story that'll take about three hours. <laughs> Two seconds. I was walking with this uh, older gentleman who had a lot of questions about God. And you know, sometimes we just make it about the behavior and we make it about the difficulty. Why don't we just make it about the truth? And this man was a seeker, but he never, he was holding back from God. He was afraid. And month after month, seven months goes by. He kept on asking the question. He kept on seeking God. He kept on coming to church. And he had questions about God. He had questions about Jesus. He had questions about all of it. But he was confused about the thought of God because he had been given a different gospel. And so he was a little bit distorted on some of the things that he was sharing. I'd say, and I'd bring him back to Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. And he says, why are you always telling me about Jesus? Because he's the answer for you. Last week, he phoned and he said, I know you're busy, but can you give me some time? I need to tell you something. Would you give me a, a bit of your time? I went, yeah, no problem. I've been waiting seven months for this conversation, so I was going to move everything for this man. And so we sat down and we started talking. And at the end of that evening, this man got on his knees and he gave his life to Jesus. You see, sometimes it does take months, sometimes years, but we are never, ever to quit. We are to remain witnesses, beloved, but we cease to be witnesses if we cease to respond to truth. Do you see the connection? And so God is telling you to stand, stand in his might. Just do a change. Embrace what the gospel is. And if you don't know it for yourself and you just skimmed it, then it's time for you to go and seek it and ask Jesus, what does it really mean to be a witness for you? And he will reveal it. But if you've discovered today, you discovered that you're closer to Ananias and Sapphira and you're going, ooh, ugly truth. And you can come to the throne of grace today because he loves you just the way you are and he wants you to become like a John and a Peter. Amen? The choice is yours. Always will be until the very end. Will I respond to truth or will I respond to my circumstances more? That is the choice. Do you want to stand, please? We are coming to an end. We have one more Sunday. You don't want to miss next week because Pastor Glenn is preaching on what they had in common. Tonight, you don't want to miss tonight neither because we're talking about the community of believers, the fellowship, what does it really mean? We are zooming in to the reality of what our Christian walk should be. But first, we have to settle something today. Who are you today? You are the only one that can answer it. And if you want to come to God, you don't know him, and you want to know him, you can get to know him through Jesus. You come and see me, and I'll talk to you about Jesus. But if you have known, but you started actually not responding to the truth over time, then, and you're closer to the Ananias, the fire attitude, then you need to come back to God and say, God, I, I, I recommit my life to you. I, I, just, I just surrender anew. I, I need 
to change this. There's too many people who need to know you through my life. Amen? God loves you. He cares for you. May the blessing of the Lord fall upon you today. If you have any answers, please don't leave without them getting answered. Any questions, I should say. (laughs) Any answers. But any questions? Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. We worship you. We know, Lord, that there are many of us that have been challenged this day. And maybe the the challenge was a hard challenge that brought lots of conviction. But God, the conviction is to bring us back to you. When you reveal things, it's not to punish. It is to actually expose and heal and set free. God, many of your people have had a change of attitude when it comes to you. God, I ask, Lord, for a renewal a restoration, a deeper knowledge of you and a deeper revelation of your love. And for those who do not know you, God, I ask, Lord, that the the seeds will be planted in their heart about the wonders and the amazement of what Jesus has done for them. God, we do not have to hold on to discouragement and despair or no, no longer the depression that just comes continuously to get us. God, I pray, God, that something will rise up in the midst of your congregation and that all will call out to you to know deeply who you are for them. God, I pray for an anointing and an ability to see their need. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen, amen. May you go with the blessing of the Lord today. Thank you for coming out.